Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 77 for Tuesday, August 25th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Alex Rudy and Ray Estrada. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Yes. Doing well. yes. <laughs> yes. Are you guys on the, the Padres hype right now? Because they've kind of dominated everything baseball the last week, whether it was with controversy or with just constant grand slams and of course most importantly beating the astros uh you gotta love everything about them right now don't you absolutely yes sir there's there's definitely things that that we don't like that have been happening uh in baseball the last the last week or so more more covid postponements and things of that nature uh and other you know scandalous happenings that we'll get into but let, let's let's go ahead and start on on a happy note. We'll, we'll start with the Padres and and their newly their newly termed Slam Diego. That I, that's that just kind of fits pretty perfectly, doesn't it? So the Padres, if you didn't hear, hit five grand slams in six games. That includes four straight games to start it off. Each of them exciting in their own way. And this all of this comes on. On a win streak, which makes sense. You hit a lot of grand slams, you happen to win a lot of games. They swept the Rangers and then the Astros, and they are now 18 and 12 on the season. So, you know, there's there's not a whole lot to be said just for yeah, team really good, hitting a lot of grand slams, um, and each from from a different different player too, which is interesting. Well, one thing I add though. Mm-hmm. That I do think, as much as Tatis has obviously been an MVP candidate, you know Machado, finally somewhat delivering on that another contract. Will Myers having a good bounce back season. Um, Jake Cronenworth, I believe, is correct me on formation, being an awesome uh, rookie. I think what's surprising about the Padres that isn't really getting talked about at all is the pitch, like the starting. You talk about the bullpen, I think, in our season preview podcast but the starting pitching has actually also been quality actually, and it, yeah yeah it's actually weird been the that worst the starting, starting pitching has been the strength and the bullpen has been a little suspect at times for the Padres yeah, uh, yeah it, which is it's been bad expect. before this win streak the Padres bullpen was bad like all their new all their new guys are struggling Drew Pomeranz was the only good relief pitcher they had uh they, they kind of cleaned that up and yeah, it's, they're they're riding the backs of like Zach Davies and like I don't even know. Uh, Nelson Lamette. Lamette's been an ace for sure, and that was not so surprising. Uh, but it hasn't even been like Chris Paddock, who who everybody thought was going to be their horse, their guy. And yeah, now now we just have to see if they can keep it up and continue to win games without hitting grand slams every day. Uh, or maybe they just will keep doing it. Uh, I would be very okay with that. Uh, the The biggest thing that that came out of this, or the biggest controversy, came from the the first Grand Slam, the Grand Slam to start all Grand Slams, which kind of made this whole streak even more fun to follow. Is that the the first one was hit in a a blowout kind of? They were up. Seven runs at the time, I believe, over the Texas Rangers. It was the eighth inning, and Fernando Tatis hit a grand slam on a 3-0 count against the Rangers. Blew it way, way open. 
and that was exciting, awesome. Tatis was hitting home runs left and right going into it, and we we get the reaction from not even so much the the community like the fan community. It was more from well the the Rangers side of things. They <laughs> immediately retaliated by throwing at Manny Machado. I, the pitcher was just pissed off, I guess, and then their their manager and the Padres manager saying that it was it was not the right thing to do um it was violating some unwritten rule that you don't swing 3-0 when you're up big in a game and as you would expect especially today that was met with a lot of of criticism and an outcry saying no don't make this this guy don't make Tatis apologize for hitting a grand slam like this is professional baseball this is the these unwritten rules um and this is not and the contention went beyond that it was like is that even an unwritten rule whether or not you like them to begin with it it extended to the point of lots of players and other fans and other um you know very respected members of the baseball community uh, like other managers or former players, things like that, who came out and said, "No, you play this game with with one mode. There's there's no there's no integrity in in easing off and in conceding conceding outs. Basically, that's the only other way to put it uh, in any ball game. So there you have it. And yeah, we and, I think... and surprisingly, um, which you know, with uh, even just among our ranks in in discussing the whole." Um, the integrity of swinging three zero. Uh, I I want you. I want to hear from from each of you guys. I'll start with. I'll start by asking you, Ray. Just uh, simply put, is swinging three zero when up big in a game a dick move? No, the the dick move on a three zero swing is if you you know high leg kick it and try to just you know launch it to the moon. That's trying to show the opponent that. The swing that Tatis took was not that, and plus two, I mean nowadays everybody swing is trained to lift the ball and hit home runs, so it's not you know, I'm not saying it's a short enough to get a two check approach on that. I think this thing got blown way out of proportion, uh, given the comments. I I do agree like that you don't need to throw up Machado for that, but his own manager threw him under the bus. That's not good. The opposing manager is just frustrated with all that. I like. I didn't read too much into his comments. This thing dominated my Twitter feed for way too long. Because <laughs> um, there's a consensus on the agreement for, among fans and fellow players and writers and stuff. So in that situation, no, like sw- swinging is not a dick move on Rio. But like they're like, you can tell the difference when a guy's trying to show somebody up and when he's not. That's, and I. I don't remember that that whole side of the argument being the distinction between the type of swing. That's that's new. I I that's something that I've heard recently that huh. I kind of fall fall down on. Okay, well, Rudy, I'll ask you the same question: is is it a dick move or not? I think yes, but the the issue is that does a dick move <laughs> deserve? <laughs> this level of like upfront attention because I, I really think the, the real conversation i feel like isn't as much judging the actions and the, is is judging the reactions because 
it seems it's kind of fascinating to me the more and more I've thought about this and the more the storyline like has gone on and by now it's kind of dried up but it, it's like do you love baseball because they make such a freaking big deal out of like this or is it annoying about this I think for like 24 hours it was fun but oh this is just this good like that's fun but the the level of back and forth argument and I know we had it ourselves like especially in baseball media over like unwritten rules i think really got out of hand and i guess like i'll take any sport you can get and i'm all happy for it and not to make this a completely meta conversation about like once again like the macro picture of the sport but like the sheer level of discourse this create over pretty much like something that should not have been this big of a deal is just pretty remarkable i mean it is fascinating. It, it wasn't much really discourse either. Everybody just, yeah. It wasn't much discourse either. It was just a bunch of people trashing Woodward and Tingler for for their comments and like. Was it really agree, agreeing with each other? I didn't. I like, didn't see any like fans or anything necessarily like agreeing with the managers. The, the whole thing from the players. Okay, this is what I'm really trying to get. The whole thing from like every single former player and the current players complaining that the Rangers overacted essentially and that the manager on the Padre but just for him was reacted improperly I just thought like really got out of hand to a ridiculous amount first of all if you played for the Rangers you would have been freaking really pissed and you probably would have tried to him even if it was not justified I would be surprised if you wouldn't be angered and at the end of the day like Tachi swung when the manager told him not to swing and like you can argue the merits of that or not but like still I think Louis' dad had a great move that says you can't just like disobey your boss. I mean, Tatis is a second-year player, right? Like, he can't just – that's just not – that's still an insult to the manager's authority. You know, the manager yeah, – Ricky Manager, like I said, Tingler shouldn't have done what he did in terms of airing that out to the public and making that public, but you understand where he's coming from and the fact that – We got thrown out under the bus completely. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's worth mentioning Tatis did apologize for hitting the grand yeah, no, slam, sure. which yeah. is like no Tatis handled it amazingly. I'm nothing against Tatis. I'm all in on the Tatis. But Thank but you for, when you for when you when you get to the the question of why was this? Why did this gain so much attention and in such and over such a long period of time? You know, past the 24 hour cycle. Well, for one thing, it is because of this manager player situation here. That's something worth following. Another point is just the fact that this is kind of a, a cultural discussion about the the place of unwritten rules in baseball today, and it's is revisited every so often when you talk about like retaliating and hitting guys and, and whatever. Those those are some of the other like unwritten rules that exist. Um, but in this case, this is one whether or not you support unwritten rules or not. Like, was this even an unwritten rule to begin with? Like, when was it? Like, Johnny Bench came out and said like. Yeah, you, you, I, I don't see the the problem in swinging three zero. Like, what's, because you know the argument is, if you are not swinging three zero in a situation where otherwise you would be swinging three zero, you are you're conceding. You're conceding a pitch. You're conceding it at bat. You're likely conceding an out. Like, you should not make concessions when you're up big in any case, because as I mentioned earlier, these are big boys. These are professional athletes, and this there's there's no space for that this isn't the 16u all-star team pounding on a bunch of 12 year olds yeah if, <laughs> if that was the case that would be a dick move to just keep wailing on them but that's not the case at all 
So I appreciated I appreciated the shout out you gave my dad as well. I'm sure he I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Of course. Uh-huh. Can I just clarify? And I don't want to speak for Ray, but I think he might agree with me. When I say dick move, I don't mean like I don't want to get like too much into a vernacular debate. But just to clarify, I don't mean that like um, he like was malicious. I just meant that like it's like a braggadocious thing to do, kind of like it's a like it's like dunking in someone's face. Like have you seen that like the famous Sean Kemp dunk where he dunks so high that he falls to the ground and then. Like finger guns into his face afterwards. Okay, like, but he didn't. Nope, like, no, that, that that's different. Still, that's just an example. But <laughs> okay, like, that's not what Tachi said either. But like, I'm not saying like uh, like it can still be uh, like and that still scores the bucket. You know what I'm saying? Like it can still be like the correct play, but it can be like like the the messaging of it can still be like a little to be clear i know it's like really split but i do think it's like it's a worthy distinction i mean like i i don't blame him for i, I doubt he like went into that ball and was like oh i'm gonna intentionally hit a grand slam i'm just gonna hit the ball but like he still could have took technically i know that's not like protecting the lead to the maximum extent but they're just like sean kemp could just go for like the layup instead of the junk i know it's not an ideal comparison like there it was a slightly there was like a less aggressive option available essentially which does this is should there be any obligation for professional athletes to take that option? I agree with you 100. percent There shouldn't be, but that doesn't make it like you, you, it's still some level of like sportsmanship to not show up on other people, even if they're professionals. Okay, that's that's a fair point. You, you, the showmanship in it, it does matter, and you know that I that's more closely related to bat flipping than anything else which isn't really that's a great example the, the right? content exactly. that's not being contended here because he didn't bat flip it it was it, yeah it, it's a different situation altogether but I, I i guess i could agree that if up seven runs if tati's on a 3-0 pitch bat flipped the fridge out of it and stared down the pitcher like while trotting and walking to first base then yeah that would be a dick move right that's that's different that's not what happened but the, the context matters in in all these in all these cases um i from my perspective i just don't think you should ever compromise the integrity of the game by conceding at bats by conceding like and not not playing your best essentially like you you run you run the ball out to first base you do all these other things like you, you play the game no matter what the the score in the situation is right the there's other things that that have more contextual backing, but at, at the base level, that's that's it. That's all that there is. And uh, one last thing, I don't want to, to linger on this too long, but I did want to, to mention to, um, you mentioned the idea of just, you do what your boss says, right? That's a, a generally good advice, I would say. Uh, I, I don't quite support the, the belief of blindly following your boss's advice, because it was clearly not the right call because he he did what he thought was right and it hit a grand slam and i think that is a case where the results indicate that you were not in the wrong um so just general advice to you yes good advice to to listen to your boss but if your boss doesn't make any sense in telling you to do something don't do it blindly all right that's that's where i'm leaving it um let's let's continue let's let's get our our weekly covid postponements out of the way now uh we didn't get to watch any yankees baseball this weekend which sucks as a yankees fan uh and for mets fans too i i imagine 
Uh, we didn't get the Subway Series. That was postponed entirely because there were Mets positive tests uh, on Thursday, I believe. So it was one of those cases where they they got the positive test, they just canceled it, or you know postponed it. There wasn't a whole lot of drama surrounding it. There was a an entire one-day streak of having no games postponed due to coronavirus. So that was a... Is, is it even a streak if it's one? Is one that, day? <laughs> it was one... Yeah, one day. <laughs> between yeah, the Reds that, that's and the question, Mets. Is one a streak? What is not it's a, a philosophical streak. question. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> streak has to be consecutive. So it inherently cannot be a streak. Consecutive hours. It's a 24-hour streak. It's an hour streak, yes. Ah, alright. We'll, we'll modify our language to make it a streak. So, what's what's the deal now? You know, like, how how is this going to work further down the stretch? We bring, we bring it up every week. Uh, it seems like the Mets haven't had any additional positive cases pop up. I Do you happen to know when they're going to resume? Like, have they officially announced? They said uh, Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday, okay. Today. Wednesday or was it Tuesday tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> Let's, I'll, I'll look at the schedule. Uh, so that's, you know, great uh, that they're for Tuesday, double hitter tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay, so they, they contained they it. They up the game that pretty well. they missed against the Marlins um, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they will be playing a double header. So they handled it. They had the, the positive test. They contained it, didn't let it spread. Good. Good job. But you still miss a full series of baseball. And in a season where the MLB is clearly still trying to get every team to play their full slate, if these kinds of mishaps keep popping up, it's going to get much harder to do, especially because there's already so many doubleheaders pushed into this last month of the season. So I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting for it to become too much and for something to change rules-wise or, you know, playoff seating-wise, standings-wise. I'm waiting for the inevitable because I, I don't see it stopping altogether where teams just stop having positive tests. Do you do you think that there will be problems in the coming weeks just due to the density of the schedule? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is not only going to be difficult for the teams that had outbreaks to make up games. It's difficult for the teams that they have to play who are, you know, some of them are obviously in playoff contention. They're going to have to throw doubleheaders and, you know, maybe two or maybe two in a weekend, depending upon, you know, games missed and stuff like that. It's just, it, it, it might be a nightmare if they can't make up all the games in terms of like, how are you going to determine tiebreakers or like winning percentage and stuff like that. It's, it's like I said, the MLB has already failed on this end of protecting player health and safety. The fact that they didn't really anticipate like what would happen if there were any positive tests, because obviously you can't just have a positive test and keep playing games. So like, yeah, it's just, it's bad. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything else to add Rudy about the next month of the baseball schedule? I mean, I guess, um, 
it seems like they've figured out how to get the teams back into play somewhat faster. I don't know if that's just pure, like, there was no more positive cases. It was that simple. I mean, I'm trying to get them, like, suspended in some positive way. Maybe they've done a better job to figure it out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this season is kind of already a farce at this point. And... The re- I, I heard a rumor that they might actually just finish the season in the playoff bubbles. Um, I think that would be an excellent idea, and I think we're at the point where that's the only option. Yeah, I can I can see that. It would be pretty much just what the NBA did, where you have the contending teams for the last playoff spots and, and finish out a okay, season. Okay, so that's a good question. I didn't see any specifics. That would be the smartest way to do it, but knowing the MLB, they'll find some weird way to include, <laughs> like, seven independently Pegos teams in the bubble as well. <laughs> but yeah, I hope I hope it's something like that. Okay. Well we we will see. This is that's just kind of the, the update on the, the coronavirus situation. Uh relatively mild news for for recent but memory. That's a different question kind of substantially sure. related, but have you guys seen any of those like Blue Jays games? The Triple A Stadium is like very like uh what's like the word it, minor league yeah like it's very <laughs> it, it's obvious i guess that's well, i don't know what i expected but i didn't expect <laughs> it to be this obvious it's really bare bones because it's yeah, a minor league there, there's, there's no outfield seating in well at least yeah i think three quarters of the outfield doesn't have any any sort of outfield seating at all and of course, nobody's sitting there right now. But it, just from a, a broadcast perspective, that's really weird. There's like a freeway, you know, <laughs> just yeah. like Fox in view. Can't put virtual fans out there. It, they can. Oh god! It would, it would look just the same, honestly. <laughs> if they tried so to put virtual fans virtual in the freeway, fans. I'm a hundred percent out. They failed. They failed. They 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 tried it. They yeah, failed. They but suck. They don't know when to quit. It's it's unfortunate. All right. Well, I I guess you know we're gonna we're gonna pause the the coronavirus stuff, uh, and I'm sure we'll return to it in the future. Uh, I'll go ahead and we'll get through the the other really not fun news. Um, Tom Brenneman, the Reds' uh, main play-by-play broadcaster, uh, dropped a homophobic slur on a hot mic in the pregame show. Uh, you, you know, right before returning to air his mic was on he said it very explicitly there's no questioning what was said and then had to face the music and delivered a really awkward empty uncomfortable apology in the middle of the game that same day and just to make things even more cringy and awkward nick castellanos hit a home run right in the middle of his apology to which he sort of just had to make mention of it. That was the home run call. And yeah, ugly stuff all around. Pretty, pretty difficult to detect remorse of any kind. Not, not just from the apology itself, but there hasn't been a whole lot of other actions by him or anybody related to make it seem like he, he truly wants to to make amends for what he for what he said and who he offended. So, you know, I guess he's just another one who is just, has been exposed for 
being a not so great of a guy, which is really unfortunate. I, I liked listening to games he called. He did a good job of that. And now we just have to see what, what happens from here. So, you know, I'll, I'll give each of you a chance to just let out any thoughts or frustration that you have towards um, towards Brenneman. Uh, there's, there's not a whole lot more to say, really. So, uh, Ray, first, uh, like, anything else to add right now? It's, it's just a really unfortunate situation. It's just, I mean, base, baseball, maybe it's karma. They, you know, storylines like this pop up. And, I mean, th- there, there is no recourse, uh, for, for him like he can't come back and say that's not him because it's a hot mic he's saying that word in, in that context with his, his co-workers who either uh, haven't had the courage to tell him to stop or willingly accept it mm-hmm. and encourage it to um, the, the the apology I, I don't know what people were expecting from an apology because th- this is ingrained this is something that he needs to realize that like if he is gonna turn around and make any type of comeback into the broadcasting game he has to realize that that word needs to go and those kind of thoughts need, need to go get educated um i the, the whole run call didn't, didn't necessarily bother me it was it's an incredibly awkward situation first of all and then that that's just that was just like god twisting the knife it's like hey here's a home run what are you gonna do about it? And like I said, it wasn't a normal call, but it's—I'm sure it's definitely hard in this situation to to just try and try and ignore that. Um, so I don't put much stock into that. But yeah, it's it's just an incredibly unfortunate situation that, like he said, just the casualness that he used that word. There's real no recourse for it, it especially you know two innings later when he has to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, uh, Rudy. It's just, to be honest, like, my two biggest takeaways are, one, I think I said this off air, but I just don't understand how this is still an issue in 2020. And it's just a long list of things that we have to deal with as a society that it's just uh, it's very sad that it's still such a problem. And... The other thing is, I just think the re- honestly, the more I think about it, the reaction to it is just really disappointing. I mean, there should have been a way more significant reaction of like solidarity from the league, from the Reds. Um, the only person I said I saw really say anything was I think Amir Garrett mm-hmm. um, on mm-hmm. social media. And I don't know if I just missed that all that, but I mean, it's a big deal, and I just think unfortunately, MLB the baseball is like such a freaking fake macho sport about masculinity as much as any in a lot of ways i just don't think they care about um that audience and offending them that much which is sad because baseball needs to be as inclusive as possible um for their own self-interest alone let alone doing the right thing which they clearly don't care about so i'm not trying to overblow it out of proportion necessarily but i I think brennan has like some history uh, that 
it's a lot of people loyal to him. I think his father was also an announcer for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really yeah. famous. It, his, his father was yeah, like the Reds announcer for. But this for a is very long this time. is exactly the issue with the sport, is that it has a and it's the same thing with the Tatis conversation in a lot of ways. There is like a loyalty to history, that is just so uh, it's gone completely out of hand for 2020 at this point, and it's willing to swallow a lot of shit to pretend that it's still you know America's pastime, and it's just getting it's getting. I was just laughing. I'll say I don't know how you if you guys feel the same way, but it's getting really fatiguing at a certain point that there's just a toxic toxicity to it. In a lot of ways, um, and, and I will say, like the players, in a lot of ways, like I, I can commend um, for a lot of their off the field, like what they've done with Black Lives Matter, and Garrett's response, and even Trevor Bauer's zaniness, which we, we can talk to talk about next. But from like an organizational standpoint, it's just getting getting really tiresome at this point. How this just stuff just keeps on happening that. It, it, it shouldn't be this hard. I just don't get how it's still this hard for for just a normal level of behavior to be the league standard. Yeah, it, uh, it is fatiguing, which is I think the only word to use for it when it comes to just how everything seems to have a dark underbelly now. Whether it's, it's situations like this of just pure ignorance and and just just you know just awfulness gen general awfulness towards like an entire group of people or if it's just not caring about the health and well-being of players which is what we've been talking about the last month now last many months about the mlb's collective response to to dealing with the issues that we face nowadays and i do commend the players for not putting up with Major League Baseball, with not putting up with any of the crap, essentially. You know, they are really outspoken, and and I appreciate that. You know, we, we talk about Trevor Bauer, too, with, in the past week, wanted to sport uh, free Joe Kelly cleats, posted them on his social media, made it hugely public, and did, was not afraid to just say, like, Here's this MLB. Here's here's your mistake. I'm gonna throw it right in your face. Um, they did like give him an official warning to not wear them in the game, or they will suspend him. I don't think he ended up wearing them in the game because that, you know, he 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 more than got the message across, and the the public nature of them threatening to suspend him for wearing those also equally pushed the message across. So, you know, say what you will about that that's that's a big and bold statement to make coming right out against the MLB taking big hacks at them and you can call it, you can call Trevor Bauer a quirky guy and over the top guy uh, it's not just him lots of players are vocal in their own normal mild ways that aren't going to make news headlines and just sharing their thoughts their solidarity with with people that they support and things that they believe in you know black lives matter is not has not faded away from the MLB circles. Like we talked about this really early on in the season, it seemed kind of kind of low key for like maybe relative to some other sports out there uh, that were also resuming at the time. And maybe it is a little bit, um, 
but it's certainly not gone from from this you know the uh the media sphere and and their public presence about it um it's still still being fought for uh and you know now at this point it's it's really just going to be it's going to be up to the, the the big boys sitting in sitting up at the top to see how much they can take because really it is the players that make the game they make everything happen and if they are not going to put up with it then there's either no baseball or we finally get some significant change so you know it's it's what you like to see in general players standing up and and being more than just players it goes back you know you can you can refer back to the the lebron james thing you know that the just shut up and dribble Refu- he refused to do that a lot of players should refuse to to shut up and just play their sport because they they drive the game they drive the sport they drive the entertainment value and they have the the presence to to actually enact the change that people are hoping will eventually come all right that's that's my rant that's my those are my thoughts. I guess that wasn't really a rant. Let's, uh, what do we want to do next? That, that was a lot of stuff that we just did there. <laughs> let's, let's talk about, um, well, okay. So the White Sox, who have kind of been the mirror image of the Padres, who we already talked about at length at the beginning of this podcast, um, have been just tearing it up offensively anyway. Their record wouldn't necessarily reflect that they are the the powerhouse of the the central now but they have certainly been swinging incredibly hot bat incredibly hot bats jose abreu just won player of the week he hit six home runs in a single series against the cubs and you know they they were the the young bursting at the seams with talent team who's now finally got it all there luis robert last week's man crush monday He's still swinging it hot. Everybody else that's there, Yohan Moncada, Yoy Jimenez, they they were big in the free agent market. The White Sox have done a lot. So the question is going to be a simple one. Are they a contender or are they a pretender? And you can give at least just a little bit of your, your thinking around why that is one way or the other. Uh, Ray, are they a contender or a pretender? I, I think they're a contender. They have, you know, legit talent, uh, through their lineup, uh, they have good, good, solid starting pitching. Gilito had a really good start his last outing. Um, Keuchel's given him some some solid starts this year. I I think they're they're contender. You know, are they you know best in the American League type type good? I wouldn't say that obviously, but um, I I think you know they're they can definitely make a run at these expanded playoffs and you know win a three game set over maybe somebody who. Uh, is better than um, on paper, and I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they currently sit in third place in the Central right now, but they're right there. They're seventeen and twelve, only half a game. Would they be in one of those two wild card spots? No, they're half a game out of a wild card spot right now. I think, ah. if I'm reading that right. Well, maybe not. It's kind of hard to decipher the uh, the standings list well, i wonder no, why <laughs> because of yeah because of this weirdness um i think right now it's the yankees the rays 
the Twins, the Indians, the Blackhawks are half a game days. back. The Indians for the wild card, though, according to ESPN. Yeah, the but there's eight wild card teams. Leading. I think this is like normal wild card. I think this is still I, yeah, a normal I'm, wild I'm card situation in the standings list. So yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look at this one. And the wild card at the same time, which is very impressive. <laughs> so they're they're in a good spot, but they're not like they're they're like the Padres that they're they're really the parallel. They're they've been doing all these super exciting things. They're so explosive, but they're they're still kind of just not the top tier yet. The Dodgers are four games better than the Padres right now, and the Padres have just won for a week straight, basically. Yeah, the Padres won a week straight and gained one game in the standings. Yeah, the Dodgers are kind of uh, ridiculous as well. But then it just comes down to what's missing, because I, I, let's let's go ahead and, for the sake of agreement, say that they are contenders. I think all of us no. agree. Do you not agree? I don't agree. No. Oh, well, I, I should not have assumed. Go ahead and tell Here's us what's missing. I think, I think they have to be the favorites because this is why. Between Ryan Goins, Chester Cuthbert, Yermin Mercedes, Nikki Delmonico, Ross Dirtweiler, and Cody Dalton Hewer. I mean, they just have some of the best names and random people in the major leagues. And if that isn't a reason to just anoint them the champions right away. Like, I don't know what there is. I mean, who needs Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and a perennially underrated Jose Abreu when you have Chesler Cuthbert? I mean, and and the Portland Trailblazers' his own Zach Collins. So <laughs> I, I feel like that has to be really highlighted um, when discussing them. But in all honesty, I don't think... Uh, just to give a little bit of an answer, I don't think the pitching is enough to be a real contender um, playoff time. I mean, I think they definitely could make the playoffs with the crazy way the wild card works this year, but I think Dylan Cease's underlying numbers um, are do not live up to his effectiveness. I mean, only 6.3K through 9 for a guy who has walked uh, 12 batters in 31 innings doesn't, like... Just doesn't impress me. I mean, his, his, his twenty-two strikeouts to twelve walks, and a pretty high. Wear. I just I don't buy that. And I think Keuchel has been good, but is suspicious. And Giolito is really that only starter that I trust. And their bullpen isn't exactly like lights out past um, Colome, in my opinion. So I'm I don't I don't and I don't think the offense is so incredible that they can. They're just gonna be able to hit their way through whoever they they see. So, yeah, I'll agree that the pitching is is a weak point. The Padres definitely edge them out there. They have a much stronger bullpen on paper, even though it was bad early in the season, like I mentioned. Um, Dylan Cease, in particular, you're not you're not looking at the the one month sample of the season. You're not looking at the one month sample though to really determine what he's supposed to be he has top he's prospect never pedigree. been in the major leagues before he's top prospect year. minor league pedigree high strikeout Overrated. high strikeout okay. potential he's pitched how yeah. many months in the majors now four months between this year and last year maybe so you know the hope is it. that something he's shown no evidence that he clicks. can both keep control and strike out batters and be efficient at the same time 
Well, it's, nev- it's never the case. It's not it, happening this season. It's never the case until until something clicks. They're always gonna struggle. These types of For pitchers will season, always struggle. Look I'm at saying. yeah, this season, yeah, it's 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 difficult to expect them to turn it around. Um, their ace right now is perfect. This is the perfect example of this. Lucas Giolito. Hmm. His his was a little more injury riddled, but always even when he was in the majors post injury, always seemed to have the stuff for some reason wasn't getting the K's with all the the potential in the world and then eventually something clicked and he started mixing his pitches the right way and then all of a sudden he's Luis Giolito and you gotta you gotta know that it's gonna be at a different timeline depending on who it is it, that's so relevant right now just because we're seeing so many young pitchers especially bursting out of the scene right now uh, well, not Tristan McKenzie and not Sixto Sanchez, who both made their major league debuts last week and pitched really well. Uh, McKenzie especially had a ten strikeout performance in his, which was really impressive. Th- those are some incredibly live arms. You look at just you just look at them pitch, and you and you can understand. Yes, they they were highly touted prospects for a reason. This stuff plays against major league hitters. The question is just can they be consistent with it, and that's really it there's no and that's it can they be consistent with it the answer at the beginning is usually no but they grow into that and there's there's a lot of other really exciting pitching prospects that are you know on the horizon or, or on the way it's, it's the newest wave so uh, if one thing came out of this shortened season it's uh it's the high octane prospects getting a first look. Joey Bart for the Giants is up now. That's pretty cool. He's the top catching prospect in baseball. Um, I, I, there's more. I can't think of more off the top of my head right now. If you want to give me more real quick, and, and mention them, then then feel free to do so. Uh, but that part of the season has been really fun, admittedly, especially as a fantasy baseball player. Uh, because these these are guys who have been on the radar for a long time for us. So yeah, I think that's I think that's where we're gonna leave it for today. Actually, uh, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, if you did enjoy, make sure to rate, comment, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media at Beat the Shift BP. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So be on the lookout for some posts there. Check out our website, beattheshipbaseball.com as well. It's where all our podcasts are and some articles as well. That's it for today. Thanks, everybody. One last time. As always, Rudy. Peace.